Welcome to Sheffield Hopcast. Um, it is the 1st of November. It's, it's All Saints Day today. Um, and it's also a special uh, weekend for uh, the beer world of Sheffield. We'll get onto that in a moment. Um, first of all, let's do the hellos. Well, hello, I'm James. Um, and I'm going to go to Sean to say hi. Hi, Sean. Evening, James. How are you? You all right? Pretty splendid, I can't complain. Quite tired, but, you know, I, I don't like to moan about these things. Um, so we, we, we're we going with a sours theme. We'll we'll get on to the reasoning behind that a bit later on. Um, and for some reason, we all seem to have gone with um, two beers tonight. So, um, Sean, what is your beer and backup beer? Yeah, I, I don't normally have uh, two beers, but uh, Adam did give me the idea. So my backup beer is a beer I was going to drink tonight. Uh, anyway, it's not a sour or anything like that. It was just the next thing I'd got lined up. We've been sent some cans by uh, Howling Hops down in London. It's a Sabro Stout, the uh, the second up. So that should be a bit of a coconutty stout. So if uh, you see the colour of my beer change during the uh, the show, then um, um, I'll have swapped over to beer two. Uh, beer one is a a, a Belgian uh, beer. Uh, it's from Hansen's who uh, are in the, the little sort of village of Dwarp, Flanders, just south of Brussels. Um, it's a beer called VSOR, uh, bottled in November 2018. VSOR uh, stands for Very Special Old Red. So an old red, uh, aged ale, uh, strawberries, raspberries, cherries and blackberries. So I'll get on with uh, opening that and... Um, uh, as we perhaps discussed online a little bit earlier, we're going to return back to beer uh, because we'll we're perhaps give people a chance to taste it. Indeed. So what is it? Very special old red? Correct. Right. Is it actually named after you then? Is that is that the theory behind um, Nick Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see, uh, I can see the, the potential there. I am all. Make a good noise to sing it. I'm looking forward to this. You know, you need, you need, you need your um, your wild beer. Um, oh, there we, go. there we go. That was a good noise. That I like that. That was quite subtle. That was good. Um, all yes, right, Adam, um, you've um, you, you you were the the founder of this double beering that we're doing tonight. So I'm yeah. assuming that your both your beers will be uh, will be crackers, and that's why you couldn't choose between them. I hope so, yeah. Um, I've gone for two two Funk Dungeon beers that I could get a hold of this week. And obviously, um, not obviously, but um, the uh, Funk Fest has gone virtual this this weekend. And um, there's been a lot of people getting involved in sour beers. My little local shop has and stuff. It had some, so it got some extra beers in. So I just picked the two they had on, which is uh, the Hot Bretter Tradition, um, 4.9%, and Funkin' Drublick, which is the Barrel Age Sour Lager. So I'm on the um, the hot bretter one first. Um, hi Jim, Jim's arrived. Um, yeah, brewed by Jim, I, I imagine. These ones. There it is. So yeah. Also, I didn't I didn't realise um, '90s girl bands had um, days named after them. All Saints Day. Um, do Spice Girls get one as well? It is. Is it just called Saints Day? No, it is All Saints Day, isn't it? The day after <laughs> Halloween. It's called, I feel like I might be making this up, but I'm sure. <laughs> It is. I'm going to check that out um, while um, I hand over to Laura and Jim, who is... Well, Jim's in the middle of making pie, so may not be with us for too long. I'm glad you could drag yourself away from your uh, pie. I do, however, now feel second best in the beard department, but I'm, I'm gaining <coughs> on you, Jim. I'm doing I'm doing my best. I'm getting there. Um, so the, the whole um, point of why we've gone with this um, kind of funky, sour... Um, theme is because it is Funk Fest. Now, last year we were all there and had a tremendous time. This year, for obvious reasons, it's had to go virtual. We have talked about it a couple of times um, over the last um, couple of months, um, and it has been this weekend. And and is that is that now it, Laura? Is is virtual Funk Fest now uh, done and dusted? So the official kind of virtual events for the weekend are um, we've just done the last one, which was a absolutely excellent um, cider tasting with Ross Cider that Hop Hideout organised. Um, but we've had a couple of beer tastings that we've hosted along with Little Earth Project and London Beer Factory happening over the weekend. Um, 
so the Funk Fest at Home weekend is, uh, this is kind of the culmination of it. Um, we were also intending to do a Funk Fest Fringe and had a variety of venues around the country who were lined up to be pouring some sour and beers, whether that was uh, beers of ours from Abbeydale Brewery um, or guest beers and just kind of celebrating the wide world of mixed firm. Um, so we did have quite a few of those lined up last week and this coming week. Um, with the situation as it's developed, those have largely been postponed, although um, Walkley Beer Co. have had the launch of one of the uh, London Beer Factory collaborations this weekend. Hop Hideout have got one of the other ones pouring as well, and the Broken Seal Tap Room uh, down south have been participating as well. Um, but other than that, rather than keep it kind of surrounding the at-home weekend that we had planned, we've just decided to say, you know what, if you want to have a mixed firm beer on and you want to shout about it, Funk Fest Fringe is for life. life. So hopefully those are going to be uh, still happening um, and will be taking place when it's safe to do so. Uh, but in terms of this weekend, yes, this is the um, the final Cool. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to finding out a bit more about um, how it's gone. But the big question for now, of course, is, well, normally it's what is your beer? Tonight it's what is your beers? So my first beer is this one. It's a Rose Hip Saison from Yonder. Um, I've selected this uh, because Yonder were instrumental in making Funk Fest at Home happen this year. Uh, we've done some really limited bottle releases that were only available to people who were taking part in the virtual festival and Yonder very, very kindly uh, supplied us with some 375ml bottles. Um, so I thought it it was a good excuse to crack open this. Um, I bought this, this arrived with me two weeks ago um, and was a beer that I bought because they, in the when the first lockdown happened, they obviously had a lot of stock that they weren't able to um, utilise or sell. So they sent some of their mixed firm beer to a gin distillery um, and I bought a bottle of the gin that came out of that. I haven't opened it yet, but it's a wildflower gin distilled from mixed firm beer, so I'm really looking forward to trying it. Um, and my backup beer, which I'm partly hoping I don't get onto because it's half six and I've already drank quite a few ciders, is... A beer that I've definitely mentioned before, and it is my favourite beer of all time, and it is Vizet Brewery Kamaradsky, which is a blend of a Russian Imperial Stout and a Nude Brune aged in balsamic vinegar barrels. Yes. And it's so, definitely talked about that before. <clears throat> so that's what I'm going to move on to after the rose hip season. And Jim, I saw you with a, a beer in hand. Um, I've gone for a beer what i made um the um the heavy nettle that was released oh yes for last year's funk fest um no, it, wasn't. it was it was brewed around last it's year's funk fest. so we so we made the it was seven days before we we had the festival and we we made this beer and we ended up having the first pour of the fermented in barrel finished in barrel served in barrel um of the first wave of british heavy nettle um, and then this was released at some point in uh, six months or so later. Um, but I've got, kind of tend to keep some of these cans um, in the cellar uh, at home just to make sure they're aging well and kind of keep an eye on, on the flavour profiles developing. And uh, yeah, still tasting really good at the moment. Also, I meant to have a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're good stuff. Cool. Yeah, my second beer um, is, is, is yeah. Um, so I, I've gone um, double beer as well, just because, you know, I don't want to feel left out. Uh, although both mine are, are relatively sensible and not particularly funky either. So one is an Abbeydale uh, beer and it is uh, Unbeliever, uh, the tropical Berliner Weiss version, um, which comes in at a very modest 3.8%. Um, and then my backup beer is from North, and it is the raspberry and pear version of the triple-fruited Goza. 
I have obviously waxed lyrical about um, the Triple Fruit of Goods series a few times. Um, I've actually not had one for a little while, so looking forward to that. Again, it only comes in at 4.5%, so I think they're both very sensible beers, but I have been up since 3am, so it's probably worthwhile sticking to sensible beers, so I'm happy um, happy with those choices. So... Yeah, so tell us tell us a bit more then about how the weekend has um, has gone, Laura. I know it's obviously been a, a big old job organising everything, uh, but I've seen loads on social media. It seems like lots of people have got involved. Sounds sounds like it's gone really well. Yeah, so we we kind of centred around um, tastings of the new beers that we've released, which is a collaboration with Little Earth Project, which is called Through the Sticks, and it's a rosemary and lemon Lichtenhainer. Uh, which is not a very oft-seen beer style. Um, it's essentially a smoked sour. Uh, it's generally quite low ABV. Ours is 5.1, so maybe a little higher than you would usually um, see in a Lichtenhainer, but then usually seeing a Lichtenhainer isn't really a thing. So, um, so uh, we had that on Friday night with Tom and Danny from Little Earth Project. Um, that beer was actually brewed uh, just over a week before lockdown happened so it's kind of the last thing that we did with another brewery before we weren't allowed to have friends anymore uh, so I felt like the timing of releasing it for this festival was quite poignant and quite nice um, and then yesterday we had a taste of three beers uh, which were all brewed with London Beer Factory at last year's festival um, so I know you guys were there so you might remember that we did a live brew um, on the first day of the festival with London Beer Factory and they brought their mobile cool ship along. Um, so we made a beer that a third of the wort was cool shipped and then the other two thirds, just due to the size of our brew kit, was split off and fermented in different ways. Um, and all three were kind of ready for release. So done a few bottles that were sent out to the people taking part in the festival, but largely they've gone into keg. Um, so hopefully... Maybe not this week, but in a month or so, fingers crossed, um, the beers should be um, starting to pop up on bars as well. I know London Beer Factory's Barrel Project Bar down on Bermondsey have taken a keg of each for people to try. Um, so we did that, but then we've also been encouraging, um, you know, whatever people were drinking, it's it's not supposed to just be an Abbeydale Brewery Showcase. Um, it's about celebrating mixed fermentation in general so we've been really really lucky that um plenty of local retailers including beer central um, have done something a little bit special um and pushed the kind of mixed fermentation side a bit more so sean did little pairings of a traditional belgian style mixed fermentation beer with an up-and-coming uk sour brewing brewery uh, which was really exciting um and just kind of asking people to crack something open, give it a try and chat to us about it over the weekend. Um, just to try, you know, nothing nothing too fancy, just quite low-key, quite informal, but just in the spirit of community and uh, celebration and basically trying to bring people together a little bit, even though we can't be physically in the same place, was the idea. In terms of the funk side of, of Abbeydale, I, I would imagine that you have to think a lot a lot further into the future uh, as compared with your um, your core sort of products. So um, p- perhaps even more a question for Jim. Uh, how many funk beers are on the go, um, either from a planning point of view or from an ageing point of view at any one time? Are, are you already thinking in 12 months' time, this might be ready and that might be ready, or will it just be six months? Uh, how far do you have to think ahead? For me, in terms of the, the stuff that I've got in barrel, I'm kind of thinking where things might be. We taste relatively regularly and see what the barrels are tasting like and then move forward from there. And so we kind of taste the barrels um, every three months or so, but then that kind of gives us a guide of where they might be. So that is the, the kind of general plan is where beers are. But so the beer, the, the beers are dictating the plan rather than the plan dictating the beers. It's a bit of a mixture, to be honest. Um, we have some. I've got beer in barrel that we filled that I filled on Friday that I know 
we're kind of planning a vague release for like the the first the end of the first quarter so so um of march time next year and that's that's the kind of cl- closest the, sh- the shortest bit of um time scale that yeah. we kind of work with on, on the on the on, yeah. on the barrel-aged um full mix firm things and so six months is, is the shortest but i also have beer in barrel that i'm going to be blending at some point next year for the birthday for the brewery's birthday the 25th anniversary of the brewery that will have a blend of a three-year-old beer plus some beer that we brewed at the start of lockdown and so mm. and so there is the kind of planning phase of it being three years old but mm. also some stuff that's currently only nine months yeah. old but by the time we get to blend it it's going to be a year old and so we're going to have these blends of beer and it might need something else on the barrel stock just to to kind of add a little bit of um a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of addition. Mm-hmm. We don't know that yet because that's still five months away. So we can have a mixture of, of really long-term planning and the kind of planning in terms of, say, the artwork. We're putting balls in motion now to make sure everything's ready because then the yeah. turnaround time can be, I can have beer ready in a few weeks, but that's a beer that's already could be two years old. So it's a bit of a mixture. It's like we've got stuff aging in barrel that's just kind of nice conditioning coming up to maturity that we then blend back with some fresher beer or with some older beer to put into some some cans of new artwork. So I kind of go with where the beer tells me, but with, the, with some of the, the beers, but also... We might just be brewing something that is, this is one batch of beer. We're making one brew and it's going to be blended and, and, and canned at the same time in about six months' time. Yeah. And then, so yeah, it's a bit of a mixture. Um, Do you keep your records of all that? I, I imagine um, modern day breweries have to use spreadsheets and on, online tools. I, I, I'm hoping that you've got some sort of dusty scroll sort of parchment records that are uh, leather that, bound uh, and, uh, yeah yeah uh, it's, it's it's human leather and it's all up here <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a mixture there's there's some handwritten notes and there's the, the, there's notes that i know that anyone else trying to decipher my one bad handwriting and two bad note taking um won't be able to to make hide no hair of it but uh i know what's happening with everything so yeah. what matters at the moment <laughs> yeah, i've got maybe just thinking... having like a massive massive whiteboard <laughs> that's got all this stuff on like i've got a whiteboard with uh, goals for the month written on it and top of it is drink two liters of water a day like that's the extent of my <laughs> whiteboard skills sorry adam no sorry I would, I, before you arrived Jim, i would say now i would drink in the the new the hot breta tradition is this is because this is like part of a series there's only been one or two of these before this one was the original one part of the series the original long dungeon beer the, was that part of this series the first canned um funk dungeon was the the mosaic the funk yeah hot bread and mosaic we've done more in <coughs> uh, in keg more than anything yeah. else so we've had mm. probably five or six and generally they're just well we're aiming for single hop breaded um quite hoppy um, and have a look at how Britannomyces and um, hops work together. But yeah, this is the first in 440. The other one was in the yeah. 340. Um, so is that something that's easier to control in t- time scales? Is it like a simpler process because you work into like a similar, I don't know, you work into like a similar style thing or do they still kind of occasionally go a bit wild and go as planned? Or? They, that, that series isn't barrel aged. Um, we tend to do them in, in stainless steel or in other tanks, um, and they're essentially we can turn them around in eight weeks or so once once the the fermentation has fully stopped, and we're happy to carbonate it and put it into can or into keg. And so they are, yeah, they're a quicker turnaround fermentation. Um, but that's kind of the aim. Hops are generally you want to drink them fresh, and so. 
while we want to control the fermentation with the hops, it's that balance between getting the most out of the Britannomyces and the most out of the, the dry hopping. And so we'll combine the two and kind of cut them a little bit short. And Yeah. What's in this one then? What, what hops in this one? Tradition is the... Oh, native. traditions. Oh, right. I was up that. So is that kind of a, a, a native one then? Um, it's um, a German hop based on a... It, it's a very noble hop. So like one of the original varietals of hops, but very simple, but also has some really interesting characteristics. It's, um, yeah, so we use a lot of it in some of our more traditional best bitters and pale ales that will go into, to, um, into tradition, traditional Hample cast market. But it's, it's really, it's still a good, still interesting hop it's not got loads of that floral aroma that that people might expect mm-hmm. from a hoppy beer in, in inverted commas um but it's got lots of pine and grass and um a nice earthy characteristic that i think works well with uh, the botanomyces so yeah good stuff cool I, I love the description of a noble hop. I think that's fabulous. <laughs> this hop is very noble. Um, Laura, what's what's been um, what's been the favourite beer that you've had this weekend, then, Laura? Ooh. Or cider. You know no, what? We're allowing I really, cider. I don't really know very much about cider, and I've just drank three from Ross on Wye, and each one surprised me in a different way, and they were all really delicious so i've really enjoyed all of those uh, my favorite was called raison d'etre that was on sunday brunch this morning um and apparently jack whitehall was not a fan but i was um but i think my favorite beer of the weekend um out of the beers that we've released i'm probably going to pick the little earth project collab the uh, through the sticks the little container it's um it's just really, really refreshing. Um, every it's, It sounds like it's going to be a really over-the-top beer because it's a rosemary and lemon smoked sour beer. It sounds like, you know, there could be an awful lot going on, and there is. Everything is really well-balanced. So um, it's surprisingly easy drinking. So Is, is that the one that's got kind of like foraged ingredients and stuff in it? Yeah, so there's rosemary in there from um, Little Earth Project brought some uh, with them from their farm. Um, and I think there's also a bit from our garden in it. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you're allowed to still call it foraged when it's from, <laughs> when it's from your garden. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's rosemary in there as well as as well as lemons. So uh, yeah. Which we didn't not- forage. It's not something I normally go for when I saw it. I like, oh, I really want that because I was a big fan of the Sage Advice one that you did. And it's probably nothing like it, but in terms of an ingredient that you'd think shouldn't go anywhere near a beer, and then you're like, oh, that's really good. Well, in the, <laughs> the, the Sage Advice, the, the, which was sage and apricots, this kind mm. of herb and fruit yeah. that normally go as part of either gravy or stuff yeah chicken <laughs> yeah there's things both, both of them are things you call chicken um but this kind of has a similarly um savory vibe but in a pleasant and balanced way which i think is is what was the target anyway to for the beer it does sound really really good it, 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 i saw um i must have seen it pop up somewhere during the week and and i thought that just sounds interesting i, I feel like i need to to try that so yeah i was very um very impressed. Deborah is about five minutes away from also having that beer, uh, <laughs> just through uh, the, the, the way there. So uh, everybody's on that today, apart from me. <laughs> Get her in. You can invite her on <laughs> if you want to do. No, She's a bit shy. no, that would uh, that would uh, get me in the back books. Uh, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, she can't compete with Jim's beard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yours uh, is James, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously, um, we've we've got all the stuff that I guess we've got to talk about because um, it's. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks since we last did a podcast, but it, it feels like a lot's happened in that time, and a lot's 
changed and there's a lot going on in the in the country and in the world again um so as we uh, talk now on on sunday evening last night was the announcement from boris johnson about um a second national lockdown starting on thursday although a few things that are a little bit um different um i mean it kind of just feels right to sort of throw it up to everyone really just for kind of you know thoughts and and, and stuff like that i know last time um you know we we, we all kind of talked about our sort of our, our beer experiences and where we were getting beers from and stuff like that. But but at the same time, I think for for us, you know, starting to do the show weekly during lockdown was kind of about preserving our own sanity and hopefully saving some other people's sanity as much as anything else. And then since then, it feels like life's got back to some kind of normality. And, you know, now we're perhaps heading in a different sort of direction sean i know last time obviously for for a while be be central kind of you know closed completely and and then you you kind of operated in a more of a mail order delivery sort of sense um and and obviously now you've you've been back open for a bit and any idea what kind of you're looking at in terms of your model through this you know potential four week plus lockdown yeah, yeah, we we closed for three. The shop closed for three months, which made us uh, switch more to, to to local delivery and so on. Since reopening, which I think is about four months ago, uh, it, it's fantastic, really. Um, so the recent announcement, um, uh, we, we um, of course are dictated to um, by a, a, a larger power, Sheffield Council, who, who run the Moor Market. And so uh, we don't quite get, we get input, but we don't get a final stay, uh, say, on, on what we do ourselves individually. But um, from emails exchanged today with market staff and canvassing opinion, it seems that the more market is likely to remain open um, uh, during this current lockdown uh, as a, an essential site, uh, foods, fruit and veg and all the rest of it. And of course, off licenses um, were retained as essential uh, during the last lockdown and so talking to other people from other beer shops uh, just in the last sort of 48 uh, 24 48 hours uh, it, it's expected that they will be retained on the essential list again uh, this time so things uh, are probably not going to change that dramatically um, compared with um, what we've had last week um, other than i'd expect the market just to notch the uh, um, uh, safer practices up even more again. We've been a great job there anyway, uh, but I think they'll just take that up a, a notch more uh, in terms of um, public reassurance and, and protecting public health. Of course. And I mean, for for Sheffield as a whole, um, I mean, it's it's been a couple of weeks of, of big change for pubs because, of course, we went into Tier 3 a couple of weeks back and that meant that pubs just as pubs weren't allowed to happen anymore they had to start selling meals we've seen um i guess we've all seen places that have pivoted quite quickly to start um you know doing food maybe places that weren't doing food before and you know i think the the you know kind of the creativity of of some places has been fantastic and of course now it's all going to sort of change um uh, again one thing that i noticed was that it's it seems like there's a clause this time that wasn't there last time about yes we're able to stay open and do take away food but not take away alcohol of course you know we had uh we had josh on didn't we kind of um not not that long ago talking about you know what kept the kellam island tavern going through lockdown was the fact that they did the the takeaway beer thing and by the sounds of it that's not going to be allowed this time now we know that we've got a government that are all for a u-turn so whether that actually happens or not i don't know whether it's some miscommunication or something but from what i saw on twitter this morning it looked very much like that so that's obviously going to be something for us to to keep an eye on because i think that'll I'll, I'll have quite a, a significant impact on quite um a few venues there needs to be clarity on that there is a lot of confusion with that uh, uh, again talking to different people earlier today and seeing different posts so there does need to be some clarity specifically on that point or some rationale behind the the decision just having one line to read which when you keep rereading it rereading it uh, co- confuses so just having one line with no reasoning or rationale attached to it uh, just just again leaves for too many gray areas too much speculation and too much uncertainty too much damage then uh, to to people's um, personal uh, businesses health and everything else uh, so there needs to be clarity quick on that tomorrow definitely 
I think, yeah, like, it's, uh, I think it's less the clarity. I think the clarity is there. It's just the reasoning, really. I mean, it's written down, you know, no alcohol. But yeah, but people, seems, seems people, are, people are thinking it's almost, yeah, people are almost, sorry, Adam, people are almost yeah. thinking it's just um, been written incorrectly. Um, yeah. I, I've seen yeah, that. I've seen that, that that people are saying, well, is that been written correctly? Uh, it, um, so people are questioning even the, the, the line that's in there. Yeah, I think basically if you need to decide alcohol is either essential or not because if shops can open just sell alcohol, then I see no reason why a pub yeah. can't sell it out of its door, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think even legally, like, there's got to be questions there because, you know, an off-license is called an off-license because... You know, the, the licensee holds a license for people to buy alcohol to take off the premises. That's the point of it. Most mm. bars and pubs, their license will also cover them to sell alcohol to, to be consumed off the premises. So you look at something like what bar stewards have done in the last couple of weeks where they've reverted back to effectively, you know, operating as kind of like a bottle shop, a, a takeaway place. It is uh, surely the, the, you, you can't turn around to them and just say now, oh, sorry, you've got to close. But you know, somewhere else, um, and you know, Sean, I've got to use the example of Beer Central because you you're there. That that effectively, you know, you've got the same sort of license, haven't you? And it, and it just seems like yeah. that would just seem you know incredibly um, just unfair. And I'm not even sure legally whether or not there's justification for that. So I think what you say, Sean, is quite right. That is, there needs to be some clarity there. And if that is the case, then, you know, why and what on earth is the the logic and the rationale behind that? Because I, I wasn't aware of any problems last time around from places that were, you know, selling, um, you know, takeaway alcohol. In fact, there were some great places doing some really good services last time. So I think it's it's going to be a real shame if, if they have that kind of pulled from under them. I have seen a people who are suggesting that it's potentially um trying to stop the venues that were selling um you know a literally a pint of beer that you i saw that yes yeah. glass and take away and that they don't want people hanging around and i mean i i don't know very many instances of that at all in sheffield you know all the no. all the venues that i saw that were kind of uh, pivoting themselves towards takeaway were very much focused on don't stand outside on the pavement and drink this please take it home um but uh, you know if it's if it's a few venues that were kind of allowing um that sort of um during mentality to to thrive outside their venues if, if that's kind of tarnished it for the for everyone then that's that's a real shame um i mean speaking what? from purely a pub going <laughs> consumer perspective not in any way in a professional capacity but it just seems to me that, yet again, it's the pubs that are being penalised, um, and I just can't, like you say, the the rationale just isn't there. Um, I walked past two thirds um, further down uh, Abbeydale Road the other day, and I could have cried because you, you walk past and they've got these absolutely beautiful, um, calling them a gazebo is a disservice, really. You know, like really nice structures outside that are just. People are still outside but are sheltered. They've got heaters outside. They've put so much investment into making sure that they're complying with absolutely everything that they've been told to do and then to be told to close um, is just devastating. Under the Tier 3 regulations is uh, is one thing and then um, obviously they've still been able to do, uh, I don't think they're doing meals, but they've still been able to do the delivery up now and I just can't see what benefit there is be gained at all if they're told they can't do that so hopefully the clarity will come but i think you're right laura uh, i think it is the open vessel uh, issue that's probably going to get raised tomorrow about three months ago i a picture uh, in, a, in a street in london of um people outside a barstroke pub i don't know which it was uh, but there were there were there were um throngs of people outside this place and I and I thought instantly well, somebody's reopened here and they're just operating as a pub and they were operating as a takeout but in an open vessel so people were quite literally taking their drink walking onto the pavement standing with friends drinking their beer nice sunny day no different to a to a normal pub so I think that activity um caught the attention 
of the uh, uh, authorities. So I, I think clarification-wise, it could be that tomorrow, that you have to do a takeout in a, um, a closed vessel rather than an open vessel, is what I'm, I'm guessing and, and, and probably which, think it's going to happen. Which is, yeah. which is fair, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, that, that what you've described there is somewhere that's pretty much flaunting the regulations they are in yeah. a way that's probably actually within the law as it was then yes, so that needs then. that needs looking at but also you know we're in november like people are not going to want to buy drinks and stand on the pavement it's too cold like it, it, clearly it's a bit misguided and then there's also this thing whereby actually click and collect is allowed so the idea of the fact that you know if you go somewhere pick it up and then you go oh can i get a bottle of that as well and they go no sorry you, you, have, you have to order that from your phone and then join the back of the queue again it's like it, it's it's just a it's it's really messy isn't it and and you know i, I feel for um the, the certain venue obviously I've, you know, I follow more closely than others you know two thirds law as you mentioned you know somewhere that I walk past on my daily walk every other day and you know seeing how they've changed changed again changed again changed again um, mentioned Barstu was earlier they've swapped and changed I don't know how many times and then you know what what John up at Beer House has been doing where you know they've now got an entire outside area that they didn't have before um now um serving food and they're going to be able to do that for about five days before they've effectively then got to close again and um it's just such a mess isn't it and 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 the only thing that i can kind of feel i, I have any certainty about this is that there will be places that will not reopen now after this and that just feels like it's it's just baked in that you know there will be places that just can't deal with it and and similarly you know there's going to be breweries that are going to really struggle because they struggle first time around we, we've talked before about all the the changes in kind of the um the the tax situation and stuff that's that's, that's going to come in as as well um and it it just feels like we've got an industry here that's getting absolutely just getting a total total battering and actually the stats don't really back it up because you know the the was it three percent of infections have been traced back to hospitality venues it just doesn't make any sense and um it's 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 just wrong frankly it's just wrong James, I've, I've got a story here about a brewery that is just about to uh, go into liquidation, which um, uh, is a, a real personal story relating to one of us four, actually. Um, and so uh, Deventio Brewery, um, Laura, yeah, are just about to finish. And um, so I'm going to tuck you a Cleopatra uh, away and with your name on it, so you can go all the way back to your first drink on your 18th, because they're they're finishing, they're they're liquidating the business and packing it all in. Yeah, I think it's it's like businesses now are people kind of plodded on in March and did what they could, and now businesses aren't in the same position that they were seven months ago. You know, they're at the end of their tether; they can't keep going anymore, and like like Sean said, the the reason he said Deventio there is the the very first bottle share that Sean ever did. I took a bottle of uh, Deventio Cleopatra, which is still one of my favourite beers. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. What was the reason you brought it, Laura? Because I it was one. Of, it was the first beer I can remember drinking legally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all. But still, my favourite ever story from a bottle yeah. share. And it was the very first one as well, which is really nice. Mm. But um, yeah, I think it's it's just so difficult because the the thing that a lot of people who you know for a lot of the general public, the line is pubs are open, pubs are closed, and what can pubs do? Um, and they can order direct from breweries. That is, it's great. People are able to still support that kind of next step back in the supply chain. But then it's the the bits that people don't necessarily think about you know you can go further back in the supply chain from breweries to like the hop merchants and the monsters uh, that have got piles and piles of stock that you know the hop harvest last year they've still got all those hops there and there's people aren't able to brew as much and aren't able to take them and it's there's no support for them and then kind of looking at the other side of things and thinking about well who is involved in running a pub you know you think the pubs open the pubs close the staff in the pub but then you've got the cellar technicians, you've got the DJs, you've got the security guards that run the doors every evening. Um, there's just so much knock-on effect in so many different industries that 
isn't really being realised for, you know, and I think, I, I really think it's kind of testament to how adaptable and how wonderful and accommodating so many pubs have been that the general public don't know about this. You know, they're just kind of doing what they can to get by. Um, and it hasn't really come to light of how much is really affected by this. But, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm getting a bit deep and meaningful, but it is important. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it's, right, yeah. It, yeah it's... Uh, you, can, you can pick any industry for that, actually. Yeah, We're all course, involved in, yeah. in beer, but every industry across all aspects has that uh, domino effect um so if you're baking bread it goes all the way down if you you know what i mean it it, it goes all the way doesn't it so um it, it does i think my my point with beer is that it feels like the restraints on um it's not just beer it's it's i mean i guess it's the alcohol industry isn't it it's the uh, yeah the, the nightlife industry but for want of a better phrase seems yeah. out of proportion and increasingly out of proportion like it's been out of proportion pretty much all the way through but it, it now it, it now feels like um it's it's like just like a form of bullying and it, it just doesn't i can't i can't fathom it i just can't figure out whether or not i know there's people that think there must be some other agenda that's going on here that you know we've got a government that that just wants to you know get, get rid of that entire industry and you sort of think i can understand why people would say that because it does all feel so out of proportion play devil's that can play devil's advocate a little bit you look dangerous dangerous radio dj <laughs> adam that, that is going to provoke lots of calls uh, no, it's, calls. Just, it's just well no it's just I'm not 100% convinced that those stats stack up. Um, the ones that are high, obviously like schools and workplaces, they're perfectly traceable because you know that person at school is not there or what, for whatever reason. From, you, from, from, from my experience being in pubs and stuff recently, I don't think you can trace that very well, well at all. For example, if you just take the app, for example, you can scan into that. Per People must be very anxious about getting... Uh, a beep saying, oh, yeah, you've been contacted. But that app, you can scan it, and you can literally cancel that off straight away. Like, there's no, like, there's no commitment to having anything in, you know, connection to that app. So I just, I think that, like, you know, their traceable numbers are low, but I'm not 100% convinced that it's anywhere close to that real numbers. And, you know, people, it's the inhibitions of, you know, people drinking, you know, and what, what happens after that, an actual initial point, you know, they're not just going, I'm having a drink here, then I'm just literally going home on my own. You know, it's just, you know, I think there's much more to it than that. And I think that it probably is higher than 3% in reality. Um, but I just think the other things are a little bit easier to trace, I think, possibly. I Maybe disagree. Yeah. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> I think irate caller from Sheffield, Laura online one. <laughs> like anything, if you go into supermarkets, there's no accountability there whatsoever. Yeah, you know, there's. I don't. I think I've gone into in the past eight weeks. I've gone into six different supermarkets, and there's been one security guard who's actually bothered to say. I mean, I had a mask on, but who was checking that people had on? You know, pubs are so much more regulated, and yes, there's nothing to stop an individual from cancelling off a check-in, but. I think it's I think it's that kind of chaos theory kind of like, like it's not just that it's not just that one check-in it's like mate so you know they've they've all had a drink and then they've gone ah oh, it's all back to ours and it's like that kind of that still links back to that drinking you know it's I don't I, the other thing is I don't think that the pubs have been being uh, being it being sort of aimed at it's pub drinkers it's just that the, the fall guy is the pub because yeah. that has to be that's the cut off you know that's that circuit breaker. You know what I mean? But they're not kind of going, oh, pubs, you're doing really bad things. It's like, no, it's not. It's those people that are in your pubs, but you can't do anything about them. Once You know, you can do all you want to kind of, you know, be as above board. And, and I think, yeah, I agree. I think everyone, you know, generally has been brilliant. But it's just that, like, it's just, you know, drinking just does that to people. And, you know, you, you lose your inhibitions, don't you? And you it's kind of... It's, it's again like I was saying with the open vessels, it's that tarring venues with the same brush and you're obviously going to get a number of um, pubs and bars that encourage that kind of person that is going to go in, have a few drinks and not really care about what they're doing. But it's it's the fact that there are so many venues that I'm sure the four of us all like to go in that are 
completely abiding by the rules that are mm. asking people to leave if they're getting rowdy, um, you know, that are really kind of trying so hard to encourage a, a welcoming environment despite all the hurdles that they're facing. Um, me and Jim were actually in a pub uh, down in Nantwich in Cheshire um, called the Burtpaw. Uh, it was a couple of months ago now when we went away. That was a really, we had a really nice meal there, like really nice kind of traditional pub. And there were a couple of men in there who were, uh, for want of a better phrase, beer tickers. And you could tell that they hadn't seen each other in such a long time. And the pub really seemed like their kind of haven. Um, and the the only place they wanted to go. And they wanted to try the beers that were there. And they wanted to speak to, a, to one single friend. And then they were going to get the train home. And that was that. And I kind of thought, you know, like the pubs have been closed for four months, like, these people haven't had anywhere to go in that in that time. And for me, like, I completely understand what you're saying about, you know, maybe students have been getting the reputation of having the house parties and things like that at the moment. Um, and there will be people who don't care about their collective responsibility. But I think that's kind of pushing aside those people for whom the pub is, is their society and it is their community. And I think that for me is the bit that is so distressing in all of this is it's, it's the places that have put so much effort in to keep everyone safe and the people who are going, who just want somewhere to go um, to do what they enjoy doing. And they're not able to do that. I wasn't saying it was my view. It's just more <laughs> give it a bit of balance to the, uh, but it is something no, I do no, sometimes no, think. No. There's, yeah, no, I, I do. I do it's, appreciate it's a good that. Argument. Yeah. It was. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes before Sean turns into a pumpkin. So <clears throat> let's let's review our beers. Um, let's talk to Adam first. Uh, have you had both of yours? Yeah, I've just poured the last bit of this one. Wow. And this That's is a impressive. surprising colour for a lager. It's very, it's slightly peachy, pinky kind of colour. It's hard to tell really because it's got quite poor light. Um, which has been your the, favourite the, the, from the two? This one actually, and I'd probably... Uh, this sorry, this one. This one is the the barrel aged sour lager. Um, it's quite fruity actually. Um, it's nice. Um, um, it's, it's quite light, like the last one. Even though it's five point two percent, but I could imagine me drinking quite a few of these. And um, the original one's quite like it's quite herbally and sort of grassy and really quite dry and hoppy. Um, it's quite hard to describe that beer. I, I think I found that with the with the mosaic one. It's kind of I don't. I don't really know how to explain the flavours in it. It's quite, quite unique. But this one's much, quite easier. I, I, I find it's quite fruity. It doesn't say fruity on the back, but it is, and it's not overly. Um, I'm not any, any kind of drink. I'm not mad on kind of like oaky kind of flavours. But I think it's got a very light kind of um, influence on the on its on it, which is nice. It's really good. Um, and cool. I will actually pick another one of these up. Good stuff. Um, I've not got. Um, on to my second beer yet, so I can only rate Unbeliever, uh, which is um, very nice, um, very tart, um, and very fruity. Uh, I think they're fair descriptions. Lovely beer, brilliant artwork, um, as as ever. Um, so, yeah, really good. Um, Laura? So, I'm not... The Saison isn't my favourite beer style, um, and I would apply that to this. It, it's I just find them a little bit earthy and a bit drier than what I would normally want to drink. But I have really enjoyed this one. Um, it's it's quite complex, but still quite easy drinking, which I think for my post cider afternoon is a good thing. I also haven't made it onto my second beer, um, but again, that's probably for the best at this stage in the day, and I'm sure I will be enjoying it later. I guess the evening is still young, still young. It is. Um, Sean. I poured um, with uh, little or no head, but the carbonation is is beautiful on it. Uh, There are four fruits in there, but the dominating one um, for me is raspberry, which I love because raspberry is pretty much my favourite fruit. And it's one of those beers that, um, a real tartness to use your uh, little description there, James. One of those beers, actually, that has just sort of uh, grabbed every single last taste bud in my mouth. 
cat and <laughs> giving it awesome. and giving it a real a real supercharge so it grabbed everyone tartness all over uh, my mouth um so shall i just go on to explain our our first ever little sort of uh, chef hopcast giveaway so we got a dozen of these hanson's uh for sor and so we've got 11 left so we thought we'd do a little um a treat for Sheffield Hopcast listeners to celebrate the fest at home that Abbeydale have, have put on uh, brilliantly over this weekend. So um, 11 people, if we get 11 people entering, of course, um, we'll be able to grab one of these bottles uh, as, a, as a little prize, as a little win. So all you have to do is email me, sean at beercentral.co.uk. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at beercentral.co.uk by next Sunday, that's the 8th of November at midday. And anyone that emails saying stick me in the hat for one of those beers um, will get their name in a hat. And in two weeks' time, on the next Hopcast, we'll do a little bit of a, a, a live draw out for 11 names. And those 11 people will, will get a bottle. One little terms and conditions, really, for it. Um, is that the, the prize would either be a collector only uh, from Beer Central or um, uh, freely available to anyone that all, all takes a, a mail order box from us. I know we have a lot of listeners across the UK who are current customers of ours. What I'm probably really not able to do is just send out one bottle to someone uh, down in deepest Cornwall. Um, but anyone that takes current box from us, mail order, then, then great. We, we can send you one of these down if you get drawn out. But anyone in Sheffield... Because uh, we've got lots of local listeners that wants to enter, or wants to come down and collect it, then uh, then feel free. Um, uh, anything else, terms and conditions wise, on that? You didn't mention there if uh, participants in the hotcast are. Excellent. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I originally I, I originally thought that uh, no, uh, that shouldn't uh, be uh, be possible, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't have any written terms and conditions as yet for our little uh, freebie. So uh, I should have, I should have, well, as, on a side, to change the subject, I have got a bottle of Dr. Tankenstein's barley wine, all labelled up and ready for mm. everyone, including I've got, I've got mine, uh, Nick and uh, Jay from the last edition as well. And so uh, we've all got a bottle of that at the very least. Have I've you got it already? De- I've, right. I've, heard Debs, From us. I've heard Debs has had a, good, a recount on those bottles. There's only actually eight bottles. Oh. Got. <laughs> um, three have gone missing. <laughs> James, when you came in last week, I might have had the foresight to uh, to have your beer ready for you. Uh, Scott, I don't uh, know whether that's the case. Anyone who's a regular customer of Sean will be used to that is uh, it. the the legendary um, name label on it, which you can't see because it won't focus in on it. Uh, but it's a legendary uh, beer central name label on it, and uh, yeah, that is it. So a uh, huge thank you um, to. Um, I didn't realise until I just looked at it. It's thirteen percent. Oh, that's going to be uh, interesting. Yep. Um, to Doctor Dankenstein, um, that's um, going to go down very very well. But uh, probably not this evening. Um, right, cool. Um, we just need to do be a selfie. We've not um, we've not done it yet. So um, grab your bottles and cans and glasses if anyone's got anything left in it, and grab your smiles. And there we go. We are done. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Um, obviously, next time we speak to you, we will be well. We will be back in lockdown of of some After description. Yeah, in theory, we will be. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a third or something of the of the way through. But um, you know, we're all in this together. It's going to be difficult, but stay strong, and we will be back to um, to keep you company in a couple of weeks' time. So um, we'll speak to you then. Good night. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Mm-hmm.